This is the Intego Mac Podcast, the voice of Mac security, for Thursday, March 17th, 2022. This week's Intego Mac Podcast security headlines include plenty of Apple software updates came out last week, and we'll have the rundown. Look up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. It's a QR code. And of course, we'll have our take on the latest gear announced at Apple's most recent peak performance event. Now, here are the hosts of the Indigo Mac podcast, veteran Mac journalist Kirk McElhern and Indigo's chief security analyst, Josh Long. Good morning, Josh. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you, Kirk? I'm doing fine. As we mentioned last week, we were both in a secure location. So we're going to be catching up on Apple's peak performance event from last week. First, we've got some really quick news to talk about. Let's talk about the Apple updates because they did a whole slew of updates, which is pretty much normal on the day that they announce new products. Yes. Okay. Everything was updated. All the operating systems were updated. Yeah, that's the easy way. Everything's updated. (laughs) (laughs) They did release an iTunes update on March 8th, by the way, for Windows. Of course, iTunes is not built into Mac OS anymore. But if you have a Windows system, you can still get iTunes. And so iTunes 12.12.3 was released on March 8th, which included, it looks like, four vulnerabilities, two of which were WebKit vulnerabilities. So those have been patched. If you are running Windows and you use iTunes, you can update that. And everything else um, was updated basically on March 14th, except for Safari for the two previous operating systems. Technically, that was released on March 15th. Interestingly, besides the operating systems, we also got patches for Xcode, Logic Pro, and GarageBand. There were 10 vulnerabilities that were patched in Xcode. And then two vulnerabilities each in Logic Pro and GarageBand, which were the same vulnerabilities. These were... Uh, bugs in MIDI processing. Yeah, MIDI processing is a way, like a, a MIDI keyboard connects to a computer and it sends information about what it plays digitally. So in Logic Pro, you can play your keyboard and you can get the sound of a Steinway Grand Piano or a Bösendorfer or a Farfisa organ because it gets the, the information about the, the force of the keys, the duration of the notes, etc., and then it uses the various samples that you've chosen to convert that into a musical instrument sound. I think the most interesting thing here is that, first of all, iOS 15.4, and of course iPadOS 15.4, had 39 vulnerabilities fixed, and macOS Monterey 12.3 had 60 vulnerabilities that were specified that they patched. There were actually more than that, I'm quite sure, because one of the things that they also did in macOS Monterey is they removed Python 2.7, which was a, uh, Python's a scripting language, and Python 2.7 is a really old version of Python. The final release of it was in April 2020, so it's been out of date for a very long time. There are known vulnerabilities for it, And Apple still kept including it with the operating system for a very long time. And so they finally removed Python 2.7 from macOS 12.3. Josh has been taking this very personally. He's been talking about this Python thing for months. (laughs) 
<laughs> this is not the first time. We just spent an hour before we started recording talking about this and the different <laughs> versions and everything. We're going to actually go deeply into this in a future episode where we're going to look at all of these questions of legacy software that gets stuck and, and why they're not updated and what's the politics behind it, et cetera. But for now, Josh is very happy. Very happy, yes. And, and I'm, I'm sure that there are probably some system administrators, maybe developers out there who are kind of upset that Python 2.7 is gone. But this is definitely a good thing for the security of all Macs. So make sure that you are running the latest version of macOS Monterey so you can get that piece of software off of your system forever. <laughs> There's a lot more to say about this. We will have some additional information about these updates on the Mac security blog. Okay, Caddy Wiper is another wiper malware discovered in Ukraine. Now, we talked about a couple of these in recent episodes. I forget what they were called, Josh? Hermetic Wiper and Isaac Wiper. Okay. This is all siblings of the Wiper family. <laughs> right, yeah. So Caddy Wiper is, there's not really a whole lot of information about it yet, but there's one specific known sample. We know it was distributed in much the same way as uh, some of the, the previous Wiper malware. It was deployed through group policies. So again, this is Windows malware. But of course, if you are running any Intego antivirus software, it will detect it and you don't need to worry about Caddy Wiper. Okay, here's a fun story that we discovered. I mean, fun in the sense of, wow, did they really do this? At South by Southwest in Austin, two days ago, we're recording this on the 16th, so on the 14th, Paramount Studios released a trailer for Halo the series. I believe Halo is a video game, <laughs> and apparently this is a TV series. And in order to promote it, they used a swarm of 400 drones to create a QR code in the sky. Now, that's pretty clever. You're at the festival there, and QR code, boom, take out my camera, and I'm going to go see what it is. But what if some hacker messes up the QR code and leads you to, I don't know, a phishing website? I have some really fun stories about Halo that uh, if we had more time, I would love to go into. But yeah, the QR code in the sky, that's that's quite a thing. <laughs> this is not the first time that there has ever been a QR code in the sky. But it is pretty interesting to, to imagine, you know, somebody deploying a bunch of drones in a specific pattern that when viewed from a distance and viewed, you know, with your camera app um, can launch a website or do something else that a QR code could potentially do, I suppose. Now, what I think is really interesting about this is that, of, of course, although this just took you to a trailer, you know, uh, to a particular website that was perfectly legitimate. I think there are a lot of interesting uh, security uh, implications for something like this. Um, we've talked before about how QR codes, of course, can take you to someplace good or someplace bad. And in, in a lot of cases in public places where you find a QR code, you have to be very careful because if somebody, for example, puts a sticker of another QR code over the top of a legit QR code, you might be redirected to a site that might install malware on your device or, you know, maybe a phishing page or any number of other potentially harmful things. And just the idea of 
scanning a QR code in the sky. Um, if that doesn't make you at least a little tiny bit uncomfortable, well, maybe it should. <laughs> okay, two episodes ago, we made some prognostics about Apple's peak performance event. And as we mentioned, we were in a secure location, so we couldn't talk about it last week. So today we're going to do an Apple peak performance review. First, I want to talk about the things in our list that we said where it says, what might Apple announce this month, the thing they didn't announce. The first one is the 27-inch iMac with Apple Silicon. They didn't, and we'll come back to that. The second is a peek at the Mac Pro. Well, they did. They kind of mentioned at the very end, there's only one Mac left to update, and we'll get to that soon, something like that. So that suggests that they'll be talking about the Mac Pro at WWDC. They teased it, but yeah, but they didn't really get into anything about it. Right. Well, they knew that there were people interested in it, wanted to hear about it. So they didn't update the AirPods Max. They didn't update the HomePod Mini. Nothing about VR goggles. So there's only three things. It was the iPhone SE, the iPad Air, and the new Mac Studio, which I think we mentioned in passing there had been rumors of a larger Mac Mini, maybe faster. And that's what the Mac Studio is. So let's start by the iPhone SE, the most oldest iPhone with the most newest processor for an iPhone. Yes. So the iPhone SE was definitely due for an update. What's kind of interesting about this is now the iPhone SE has a really nice processor at a really good price point. Yeah, it's got an A15 Bionic, but the price has gone up. It, it's $429. The previous one was $399. And I, I've got an article on the Intego Mac Security blog where I discuss all these new products. And I point out that you can pay $70 more to get the iPhone 11, which has a much larger display, a top-to-bottom display. It has Face ID. It's $499 instead of $429. It's got a dual camera system. And even though it's got an older processor, an A13, do you really care which processor your iPhone has? I mean, that's just marketing for most of us. If it's within the last few years, it doesn't make much of a difference. Hmm. You know, that's kind of interesting. I, I'm I'm surprised that Apple's actually even still selling the iPhone 11. But yeah, okay, so iPhone 11, there, there's some pretty big differences, right, between the iPhone SE third gen that they just released and the iPhone 11, which is now, what, a couple of years old, I guess, at this point. Other than that $70 difference, you definitely get better cameras with the iPhone 11, right? You get Face ID. So if maybe if you prefer Face ID over Touch ID, then the iPhone 11 is is probably what you want. But you're right. The, the, that processor, that's kind of interesting. I think for the average person, you're probably not going to notice much difference between the A13 and A15 Bionic. But here's the other thing, though, that the iPhone SE third gen has that the iPhone 11 does not, and that is full 5G support. Yeah, that's right. It was the iPhone 12 that was the first one to get 5G. But since most places aren't getting that lightning fast 5G where you can download a film in 20 seconds, it doesn't matter that much. I mean, the, the real advantage to the iPhone SE is that it's smaller. So I'm holding up the previous SE next to my iPhone 13. It's smaller, lighter, and thinner. And if you really want a small phone, it's a good choice. And, you know, there are children with small hands. There are I know some women with very small hands who don't want even, uh, you know, the normal, say, iPhone 13. Now, the iPhone whatever mini is a good choice, but that's more expensive. So if you want a small phone, the iPhone SE is good. But I'd, I'd recommend anyone planning to buy that 
if they want something really useful to spend the extra 70 bucks for the iPhone 11? I, I guess it really depends. Uh, on uh, It depends a lot on whether you have good 5G support in your area. If you've got 5G ultra wideband relatively close to either your home or your place of employment, someplace where you're going to be frequently, then I would say it's worth it to get the 5G support. Okay, so we'll have to agree to disagree on that one. Well, you know, the, the iPhone SE third gen, I, I'm actually really impressed by it. I, I, I think that's an incredible product. I think it's totally worth the $30 upgrade from the previous $399. And I think this was probably one of the most impressive announcements. Um, maybe not quite as good as the Mac Studio, which we'll talk about. Okay, let's take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about the new iPod Air and the Mac Studio and the Apple Studio Display. Protecting your online security and privacy has never been more important than it is today. Intego has been proudly protecting Mac users since 1997, and our latest Mac protection suite includes the tools you need to stay protected in 2022. Intego's Mac Premium Bundle X9 includes Virus Barrier, the world's best Mac anti-malware protection, Net Barrier for powerful inbound and outbound firewall security, Personal Backup will keep your important files safe from ransomware, and much more to help protect, secure, and organize your Mac. Best of all, it's compatible with macOS Monterey and the latest Apple Silicon Macs. Download the free trial of Mac Premium Bundle X9 from Intego.com today. When you're ready to buy, Intego Mac Podcast listeners can get a special discount by using the link in this episode's show notes at podcast.intego.com. That's podcast.intego.com. And click on this episode to find the special discount link exclusively for Intego Mac Podcast listeners. Intego, world-class protection and utility software for Mac users. Made by the Mac security experts. Okay, we expected that there would be a new iPad Air, and there is a new iPad Air. It's the 10.9 iPad Air, and it's been upgraded to use Apple's M1 chip, which I think that's a bit of a surprise. This is the same M1 that's in my iMac on my desk right now, powering this little iPad that only costs $600. Now, I kind of wonder, does it need an M1 chip? What is it doing that needs an M1 chip? What kind of software requires an M1 chip on an iPad? That I can't answer. <laughs> you remember that I'm, I'm not the iPad like expert. <laughs> I know. Okay, so so there's games, but other than that, I can't really think of that much. Maybe some photo editing apps, and and there are a couple of new photo editing apps coming out. Maybe that would help, but it's not a big deal. However, it's two hundred dollars less than the eleven inch iPad Pro. They look pretty much the same. The 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 Air is 10.9 inch. The iPad Pro is 11 inch. I kind of wonder why there's that one tenth of an inch difference. It doesn't have the ProMotion display that's in the iPad Pro, which I must say I have the 11 inch iPad Pro, and it's really nice to have. But if you've never had it, you wouldn't know that you don't have it, right? You wouldn't know that it's missing. But it's this to me would be the iPad I'd recommend for most people, unless if you want the really cheap one, 329, the basic, which is a lot more limited, or if you want something that's a lot better, but don't want to go pro, you can go to 599. Now it starts with 64 gigs of storage. So you've got to shell out a little bit more if you want more storage, but this is a pretty good iPad. This is going to have long life with the M1 chip. I'm trying to remember, does the iPad Pro have 5G support? It does, but... To be honest, do a lot of people buy cellular iPads? 
I think most people, they're going to have an iPhone. They'll be, they'll be able to use tethering. Now, for industry, I'll link to an article that Dan Morin wrote on Six Colors today. He's saying that for industry and education, this is really a good iPad because these are people who don't need the storage, but they might want the cellular access, particularly in industry. So this could be a good iPad for both individual users who want something in between the basic and the pro, but also for industry that wants something maybe because of the 5G and because of that M1 processor. Okay, not bad. So the Mac Studio. So we were expecting, first of all, I mentioned the 27-inch iMac, and I was expecting a 27-inch iMac, which would have a faster M1 processor than the 24, but Apple actually discontinued the 27-inch iMac. We don't know if this is a permanent discontinuation or if they're going to bring it back, say, an iMac Pro model at some point. And so what they did is they came out with a new Mac, which is like two Mac minis stacked together. Now, many Mac users have long wanted a mini tower, right? Something that's not as tall as the current Mac Pro or the G5 Mac that came in the first cheese grater tower. You know, that's a big device. This is small, the, the, the size of the Mac mini, just taller, sits on your desk, and they came out with a new chip. It's the M1 Ultra chip. It's twice as fast as the M1 Max. Now, I remember sometime last year, we were talking about where will Apple go next on the M1 chips? And I said, they're probably going to do some sort of parallel processing. And that's kind of what they're doing here. They have some sort of an interconnect that connects two chips together and gives you, well, two chips in one, right? Yeah. So the way that they kind of showed this off, it, it they basically said, we took two M1 Maxes <laughs> and we stuck them together. And it, it, that's what, basically what it looks like. Um, it looks exactly like that. Yeah. <laughs> and that interconnect that you're talking about, that's uh, where they feel like they've made improvements over, you know, how this is kind of this type of thing has been done in the past. Usually when you have multiple processors, you you have other components that are kind of the bottleneck in between them. And because they've stuck all of this stuff together in a particular way, they make it very fast. And, and so these essentially two M1 Maxes are able to talk to each other at extremely high speeds. And so essentially you have an entirely new system on a chip that's now M1 Ultra, even though it's really just kind of two M1 Max put together. Now, you have to understand why they did this, because there is a limitation to chip size because of the way these chips are manufactured. So they can't just make a bigger chip. The chips just can't get bigger and bigger. So eventually they decided that in order to be able to manufacture these, they would just do what we explained, they'd take two M1s and stick them together. And I think this is going forward. We might see four M1 chips stuck together in, in the future for the M1 Ultra Max. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. <laughs> Ultra Max. Oh, boy. Well, we're going to see an M2 at some point, right? Yeah. So we had been kind of speculating two weeks ago whether we'd see an M2 processor. And we see now that this is probably the end of the line for the M1 Ultra. My guess is that when we do see a Mac Pro, it's going to have two M1 Ultras or maybe the first M2. I don't know. It's hard to tell. You know what? I'm not buying any more Macs until they have an M1 <laughs> double plus ultra triple Max. <laughs> Yeah, it, it it is getting kind of funny. So this is an interesting Mac. It starts at $2,000 and the M1 Ultra version starts at $4,000. It's not cheap, but it's faster than the Mac Pro, which they're still selling. You can 
upgrade the Mac Pro to over like $50,000 if you add RAM and video cards and stuff like this. The highest configuration of the Mac Studio is only $8,000. So you could get four or five of these for the cost of a, uh, a maxed out Mac Pro. Now, remember, as was mentioned at the Apple event, the Mac Pro is the only Mac that still has not gotten an M1-based processor, right? And so that's basically the Mac that you want to get, I guess, if you have a reason to stay on Intel for the time being. Apple is planning to replace that soon. They they did hint at that. But for the time being, I don't know. I, I don't know why you would... Why you would get such an old, outdated Mac Pro when you can get a Mac Studio with an incredibly fast processor for potentially a a lot less money, depending on what exact configuration you're looking for? The only reason I can see someone getting a Mac Pro is if they need specific expansion cards. Uh, Because the Mac Studio is not expandable and the Mac Pro has a bunch of PCR slots or whatever they're calling them these days. So that's really the only reason. One other advantage is you can put third-party RAM in the Mac Pro. And that's the only Mac left where you can do that. With all of the M1 chips, you're paying the Apple tax for extra memory. So there are reasons, but given the cost of the Mac Pro, it's it's probably selling, you know, one or two a month right now. There's really not many people who want that. So at the same time, Apple came out with a new display. And this is interesting because... I remember a lot of us complained, well, a lot of us lamented the fact that they stopped making displays a few years ago. The last Apple display was the 27-inch Thunderbolt display, released in 2016. I think they discontinued it in 2019-ish. It was $999, and the new 27-inch studio monitor is $1,600. That doesn't seem like an excessive increase in price, given that the 27-inch Thunderbolt display was just basic LED. It wasn't a, you know, a 4K or a 5K. One advantage of that display is you could use it to heat your office in winter because it was extremely hot. (laughs) I had one of those for a few years. Uh But this is a nice display. It's got a 12 megapixel front camera, which is now becoming standard on Apple devices, finally. It's got a three microphone array, a six speaker surround sound system. It's got three rear USB-C ports and one Thunderbolt port that puts out, I think, 96 watts so you can charge a laptop while it's connected to the device. And that's really practical. So it's perfect to go with the Mac Studio, but it would be great with a Mac Mini as well. Did they actually say whether this 12 megapixel front camera is, are they calling it 1080p or 4K? No, they don't say that at all anymore. They just say 12 megapixels. But it is a nice device. Now, shortly after Apple announced this, they stopped selling the LG Ultrafine 5K display, which was selling at $1299. As I said, they didn't announce that the 27-inch iMac was discontinued right away, but they did confirm to some websites that questioned them about it. But they didn't say that it's discontinued forever. Of course, nothing's forever. They might bring it back one day. Could it be the iMac Pro that comes out in, you know, next year with the M2 processor or something? Because for now, if you want a large display, this is your only option is this studio monitor. Yeah. And and if Apple does still sell the 24 inch iMac that comes in multiple colors. So they're not getting rid of the iMac. They're just getting rid of the iMac at this particular size. Right. They're getting rid of the pro with a higher end iMac. 
I mean, it's not the Pro because they did have an iMac Pro. This is all confusing naming with Apple with Pro this and Pro that. But yeah, so if you want a desktop computer, you only have two choices. We'll, we'll scrap the Mac Pro. That's not a choice. You've either got the 24-inch iMac or you've got this new Mac Studio with this display. This is a minimum of $3,600. 2000 for the Mac Studio and 1600 for the Studio Monitor. So this isn't a budget configuration you're getting. Right. In fact, Apple doesn't really have uh, quite so much of a budget computer anymore. I mean, even the Mac Mini, which now, of course, has an M1 processor, starts at 699 I remember there was a time when you could buy a Mac Mini for 499 and now the base price for a Mac Mini is 200 bucks more than that. I mean, the whole point of a Mac Mini when they first came out with it was, you know, this is something that you can easily replace your PC tower and plug in your, you know, your existing keyboard, mouse, monitor, and all that stuff and just get rid of PCs from your life and switch to a Mac, right? And now it's it's not, uh, you could still do that, but I mean, at 699 that's not something that a lot of people are going to want to do if price is their biggest concern. Well, the Mac Mini's got an interesting price history. I, I use an app called Mac Tracker, which has a database of all Apple devices. And it started at $499 when it came out in January 2005. The mid-2010 model was $699. In 2014, they released one at $499. And I remember that was particularly, they had brought this one out intentionally cheaper. It had a 1.4 gigahertz processor. The 699 model was 2.6 and the 999 was 2.8. And that particular one was to have an inexpensive Mac mini. But then you go to 2018, the cheapest one was 799. So it's not that it's that much more expensive now. It's just you're remembering the past. You're remembering the old days of the past when you get a Mac mini for $499. In my day, yep. <laughs> we could get a Mac Mini for yep. four ninety nine, and we yep. liked it. Yeah. Anyway, we're in a situation now that if you want a desktop Mac, you either get the 24-inch iMac, which is great, or you've got a lot of money to put out because you are not going to want to buy the base configuration of the Mac Studio because it only has... 512 gigs of storage. So you're going to have to pay another 200 bucks to get a terabyte, which for most people, 512 is too little. So I guess, I guess it all depends on what you're going to be using your Mac for, right? I mean, maybe in certain situations you might need pro performance, but not in a lot of storage. Maybe that $2,000 starting price point for the Mac Studio could work for some people. Yeah. I, I think it's an attractive Mac. I like the idea of a, a separate Mac and a separate display. And it's been a long time since I've had that. But it's. I wish there was a cheaper version because because it's not just a faster Mac Mini. It's got more ports. It's got an SD card slot on the front. It's got two USB ports on the front. That makes a big difference with the current Mac Mini, which is the first M1 chip, which is really limited in ports. One final note. If you want a Mac Studio or a Studio Display, they're going to be available starting this Friday. You can order them now, so... It's not too late. <laughs> I don't think they've sold out yet. No, I don't think so. But I, I did see that very quickly, the delivery times were moving very much into the future, like several weeks away. So uh, they, they only had a limited number at launch and they got snapped up pretty quickly. Yeah. In fact, the high-end version of, of the Mac Studio, right now, as, as of when we're recording this, the delivery date is somewhere between April 28th and May 5th. So you're going to have to wait a while if you want the high-end one. Yeah. With the M1 Ultra. M1 yeah. Ultra. 
Okay, that's enough for this week. Until next week, Josh, stay secure. All right, stay secure. Thanks for listening to the Intego Mac Podcast, the voice of Mac security, with your hosts, Kirk McElhern and Josh Long. To get every weekly episode, be sure to follow us in Apple Podcasts or subscribe in your favorite podcast app. And if you can, leave a rating, a like, or a review. Links to topics and information mentioned in the podcast can be found in the show notes for the episode at podcast.intego.com. The Intego website is also where to find details on the full line of Intego security and utility software, intego.com.